From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Delighted to welcome Glenn Carter to John Hannam Meets. Nice to meet you. Yes, lovely to meet you, sir. Thank you. Currently, you've been touring in Evita. Yes. Uh, which is a wonderful show, coming to the South Sea Kings the 13th to the 17th of November. Brilliant. Lovely old theatre, a real Matcham theatre. And uh, have you ever been to the Kings before? I'm t- trying to rack my brains if I have or not, actually. Probably, because of so many theatres, but I, I can't actually remember it specifically, to be honest. So maybe not. Maybe it's going to be a new experience. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Superstar, Grease, Joseph, Whistle Down the Wind, Les Mis, Jersey Boys. Mm. You've done a few shows, haven't you? One or two. Yeah, I've been very blessed. I've been very blessed. You went to the Arts Educational School. Looking yeah. back, was that a, a really good move for you? Well, at the time I went there, it was the only accredited musical theatre course. So um, I'd done sort of acting with a privately with an acting coach. Um, Colin Skip, his name was. He used to be Tony Archer in the Arches. So I oh, that. I used to listen to the Arches, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's, uh, unfortunately, he's, uh, he's deceased now. But I worked with him. He did text and and stuff with me for a couple of years before I went to arts. In fact, I wasn't really sure. I worked in pop music is is what I was doing. I was tour managing and writing for for bands. And uh, I was also acting. So I wanted to act. And I did music. I didn't ever think about putting them together in musical theatre because I didn't know really that it existed because I'd never really been to theatre. I wanted to act in film and television. I didn't really know about theatre that much. Didn't go as a child. And then... um, I worked with a pop group and there was I was just chatting to a couple of the the, the, the support act were a couple of musical theatre trained people and they said, Oh you should you know, as you do music and you're you're an actor, you should you should go to musical theatre school and uh, and the only one that you can go to really is arts. So I just applied and got in and, and went there. I had no concept of what it was going to be like. In fact, at the time, I was touring with the pop group Imagination. Were you? Yeah, I was there. I was there sort of. I was, I was, I was bumped up to the tour managing slot just because one of the, the tour managers was taken ill and I was sort of became the tour manager for them for a while. And I left the tour early. Yes, this course starts on Monday. It's Saturday and I should really fly back from wherever I was. And so I quickly booked a flight. And fl- I literally was that blasé about it. And then um, here we are. Lee was a great uh, oh, frontman, isn't he? He's still a very good friend of mine, in fact. Is yeah, he lovely? Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's an adorable person, and and we were very close, and, and we still are. I, I I love him. He's a he's a great guy. I've interviewed him about three times, and oh, he's such you? fun. You know? Yes, he's fabulous. He's he's doing an archive film of Imagination now. He's trying to um, get all the old footage together and interviews that they've done, and, and put it together with a narrative. Yeah, he's wow. he, you know he's been editing it for a, for a while now. Glenn, in the early days after drama school or school, you, you, you sort of did rep, didn't you, in the early days? Yes, I did a few little things, yeah. Um, never enough. I always wanted to do more. You know, I wanted to do, um, I, like if I could have stayed in rep for five years, I would have done. But I, I was just fortunate enough to, to be employed to do sort of three jobs one after another in a, in a, in a like a um, Nottingham Playhouse and, and, a, and a couple of then I went into Derby Playhouse and did, did yeah. four or five things there but I would have done that for 10 years if I could have you know every season be doing you know three or four things but it just didn't work out like that because in musical theatre if you're doing well you generally get contracted for years at a time or a year at a time so you, you you know you have one experience where somebody else would be getting 20 different experiences of different things TV the odd job you know, and so there's, there's, there's good and bad on both sides, really. Jesus Christ Superstar was quite important for you, particularly yeah. early on, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I'd understudied for so many years. I mean, I became the person that if there was a 
a principal who may be thought of as having... I mean, no, they didn't know whether the, the principal had an ego because they hadn't worked in the musical theatre because I didn't have one particularly in that respect. Like, I went and I did my job and I got on. I, you know, I did my understudy calls and if I didn't go on, I didn't, you know, I didn't mind so much. I did my job and my job in the ensemble was as important as his job as far as I was concerned. So I didn't really ever need to go on. I, wanted, I You know, I didn't have that in me. So I just became really useful to understudy what they perceived would be potentially difficult egos. I don't want to use the word stuck, but I was stuck as an understudy. And, uh, you know, the big, big managements and producers wouldn't even see me for big major roles. They would only see me for understudy roles, uh, you know, to take over from. And it was always like I understudied Philip Schofield, Jason Donovan, Shane Ritchie, uh, did I say Craig McLaughlin? Just lots, you know, lots of, of principles. And none of them actually were difficult. They were all lovely. But I guess the management don't know that when you, when you first get them. And I just got really stuck into that, what was a rut for me. And I had to just start saying no and going out of work. So I, didn't, I was totally employed for, for, I mean, I didn't have a day out of work for more than a decade, you know, doing that. You went from Simon to Jesus, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yes. Again, I, that was when I was just breaking that mould of, because I turned work down for a good nine months or so. And I wrote my first record deal then. For, for another artist, for, for a girl singer, I wrote a, a record for a phonogram. So it was nine months out of work, which is my first time out of work, which is when I was trying to break the mould. And uh, I was auditioning for Jesus and I had a bleed in my vocal cords, which has happened once in my entire, well, I think it may have happened twice now in my entire career. I've got a natural varicose vein in my vocal cords, so my voice gets quite hoarse, husky, when, you know, if, I, if I'm tired. And uh, couldn't finish the audition process. And because they said, oh, you should be in the show, they gave me Simon without auditioning. And then I took over Jesus the, the, after that. You ended up on Broadway, didn't I you? I did, yeah. yeah. And we ended up, in fact, the same production went, did, uh, well, the same director and, and, um, and stuff. Uh, we did it, I did it three times with her. We did the, the West End one, the one I'm talking about. And then we made the film of it yes. for, that came out for the Millennium, and then, then which was a slightly different production with different designer, and then that went to Broadway. You won a few awards too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, one or two. Yeah. If, if I, if I, I always think I've always had the, the thought process. If I, if I take notice of the awards that, you know, the odd award that maybe I've been fortunate enough to be given, I have to also take awards of those that I was ignored by. So I tend to just <laughs> not even think about. Them. Ironically, then some of your early TV roles, you were playing Jesus, weren't you? Yes, I did. I played Jesus. Was a film. It's got a film called Nine Lives by Simon Monjack, which was um, nine nine men and women in a drugs rehab centre, all rather privileged people, rich people who were found their way into narcotic or alcohol abuse or whatever. And uh, that was called Nine Lives, and I played a character called Jesus, but it's spelled obviously it's spelled Jesus. So I played Jesus, then Jesus, and then Jesus again, which was three <laughs> different versions of a different of a character. But yes. When you went into the bill, it wasn't Jesus. I think it was a guy called Scott Lewis. You did a, yes, a, you know, a one-off in the bill, or didn't Gosh, you? Gosh, yeah, you've done your research on that. Yeah, yes, I did. Yes, it was a, it was a, a double episode that was eventually edited down to one episode. Yeah, good shows the bill, guy. weren't they? They were fantastic, and they were a great place for for actors like me to to start learning about television. You know, because they had such a high turnover of people you know and um, like people I'd like for example um, Ben Richards was uh, was in uh, was in the bill became a regular he was uh, I think it was second cover to Kanicki in Greece when I was first cover do you know what I mean so so like it was a great like the bill and um, doctors and Adrian who's been a doctor there for 10 years was second cover Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar so those regular TV shows and dramas are, were, were like rep 
they 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 sort of almost have taken the place of rep, where actors can go in and play a small role and maybe go back and you know to, to, and learn their trade with television. They were fantastic things. The bill is so sad when that went. That was. Um Near Wimbledon, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Because I went there a couple of times and yeah. you sort of wander along. and yeah, they industrial say, park in Morden. It was very strange. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, they said, oh, that's the boss's office and yes. that's something else. It was absolutely yeah, terrific. Yeah. Doctors, you mentioned. You did Doctors, didn't you? Yeah, I did, I did an episode of Doctors. Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> Hollyoaks. Weird, weird Hollyoaks. Yeah, Hollyoaks, yeah. <laughs> that sort of they're just great ways to learn your trade, you know, to learn... Because it's such a different environment. I mean, my drama teacher used to say there's no, no such thing as overacting or it's good acting and bad acting. You're either good or you're bad, she used to say. But I don't actually think that's true. I think if you look at some, for example, of Tom Cruise's early stuff, his auditions you can see on YouTube and stuff. I mean, you look at those. However good Tom Cruise may be, he wasn't then. But it's not that he can't act, it's the style. He's, he's not got the style down. And working in, like, theatre, it's a different style. It's a slightly more heightened style than it is on television or film. To have somewhere to go to learn how to refine yourself and how small you have to be and how... It's like talking to a microphone. Like, when you're talking to a microphone, you have to imagine that you're whispering into someone's ear, not on a stage where you're projecting something. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. They're just all different styles and... To have uh, programs like The Bill, Hollyoaks, Doctors, those things where they take lots and lots of actors from all walks of, of acting, you know, from musical theatre, from legit, from, you know, dancers who've never acted can go in there and, and just and play a part because they're good enough for the role, otherwise they wouldn't have got it, and learn their style. They're so important. They're so important. Hi, this is Dennis LaCourier, the voice of Dr. Hook, and you're listening to John Hannah Meets on Isle of Wight Radio because you have such good taste. You played Jack the Ripper, didn't you, once? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> very, very briefly. In, yes. Um, in, um, uh, um, was it Psychoville? Psychoville. I was trying to think of the name of it. Yes, yeah, Psychoville, yeah. It was fabulous. Great fun. And you face loose women. You've been on loose women, haven't you? Only as, um, as, a, as a Jersey boy. So I would always like to have been interviewed. Because it really annoys me when they go, you know what men are like. <laughs> yes. It really annoys me, do you know what I mean? Like, men can't talk about their feelings. It drives me nuts. <laughs> but I've never been interviewed on that. No, we just went on as the Jersey Boys. Yes. And did our Talking of the Jersey thing. Boys, you played Tommy DeVito in that, didn't yes, you? Yes, I was the original. Yeah. Tom was so fortunate to get that role because I was up for um, for Bob, the, the pianist and the writer in there. I was up for a different part altogether, which I wasn't right for at, at all. And I walked in there and, the, and looked at the American casting director. The casting director in Britain is Jill Green, but they were working in conjunction with the original American casting directors. And... Um, I learnt, I think, three or four scenes and a piano piece to play the piano. And Varys walked in and she said, oh, my word, no, 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 you're not a Bob, you're a Tommy. Take this script and come back in half an hour. So I had to sort of quickly <laughs> learn the best I could, you know, read and learn three scenes in half an hour. And I went back and, and, then, and then I somehow got it, which I couldn't believe. When they suddenly said, do you want to go up for the Jersey Boys? I said, no. It sounded to me like a strip group. You know, yeah. like the Chippendales, the Jersey Boys. It just yeah. sounded to me like that. So I, so I was, didn't know about it. When I started to look into it and, and catch some clips on YouTube, it was what a phenomenal script and brilliantly put together musical that, that is. And I was fortunate enough to be the original Tommy, yeah. Were you a Four Seasons fan before you went in? Or? I didn't realise I was. I, I didn't know. I you knew all the songs. Valley, yes. so, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Oh What a Night was one of my favourite songs as, a, as, a, as like as a... 10 year old you know and there were some amazing songs that they did that I didn't know that were theirs I'd heard them over the years and you know I thought oh, what a fantastic song that is but I didn't know that it was theirs because so many of their songs were covered 
here. So I knew their songs sung by other people mostly. So when I realised that it was them, I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And chess, that's an odd subject for a musical, but it was a, a hit musical, wasn't it? That I still say that chess, the musical, is the is quite possibly the best score I've ever heard, and it is, in my view, most sophisticated musically. Consider it's been written by two pop writers who write naff pop songs, which aren't. They are the incredibly sophisticated pop songs. ABBA are an amazing. Um, sophisticated writers, you know, in the structure of the way they write, etc. And fr- from a writer, so I've had four record deals as a writer. And if I could write one song of which they've written 30, I would be so happy. They're so sophisticated. But the musical theatre, the chess, and, and I know they've done another one called Christina, mm. is incredibly sophisticated. And I love it. I, mean, I put that album on on my headphones and listen to it. And I don't listen to musical theatre. It is so fabulous. And all the songs you know from it, yeah. um, the pop songs, are the worst songs in it, the worst pieces of music in it. When they were on the Eurovision and sang you know, that original song, yeah. Waterloo, you never expected no. to develop because Not it was like okay. That. It was a sort of a song written for that, really, wasn't it? It was. And, and because of the, 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 the roots of where their, their musical sort of education came from, they, they changed the format of pop music. Pop music was written, obviously started by sort of Bill Haley, really, you know, this sort, mm. of, like, sort of rock and roll style of formats, like verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, etc. So it's a bit boring, perhaps. But ABBA, they did, if you look at them, they have five sections to most of their songs. No other writers had ever done that before. So ABBA sort of, no, no other pop writers. Mm. So ABBA changed and developed the formatting of pop music, which is incredibly difficult to do. When I look back on my life, I started off sort of how much was that dog in the window and all yeah, that yeah. stuff, then Presley and Bill Haley yeah, yeah. and then the Beatles and ABBA. Yeah. Looking back, it's been a fantastic time for music. Really. Oh, cr- yes, it, within, within one full lifetime, absolutely mm. incredible. You've done a few royal varieties. You've done about mm. half a dozen at least. Yeah, don't I think you? five or six, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a children's royal variety, I think, is in there, is in there amongst the five or six. Yes, I've been just really fortunate just because the shows I've been in a lot often have been original casts, not always, and they've been hit shows. I've just been very fortunate, you know, what, what can I say? I think everyone you interview, Glenn, everyone I've interviewed over the years, they've always had that stroke of luck somewhere, which you need, yeah. don't you? I think you've just got to be present in the sense that, like, if someone would said to me, will you do this show for nothing? We can't afford to, to, to for you to get paid. And I, I think the show is worth doing. I would do it for nothing. If I'm not working, I may as well be working and earning nothing than not working if the piece is a good piece. So I think you've got to be able, or certainly of the mind of, I've got to do this for my own development as well Mm. as how much do I get paid. Years ago, sort of acts or groups that supported top names, they often did a tour for virtually nothing just to get established. and Just to get the name out there, just to get a presence. Just get people talking about you. Yeah. You write songs with your brother, don't you? I did, yeah. We had Scott now, he's my younger brother. I started off literally as wanting to be a writer. That's what I was. And uh, that was the thing that I thought I would always do. I mean, I was writing songs when I was nine years old, you know, best I could into a tape machine, you know. And I couldn't play an instrument yet. You know, I started to learn the piano and stuff. But my brother and I started to work together probably when I was probably about 22, 23. And uh, we wrote a record sort of deal together we wrote sort of like 20 songs and got signed to phonogram with a singer with another singer although I've been a singer all my life I always never really knew what style I should do because I could do several different sounds and styles and it was because I came from musical theatre that I didn't really know who I was so I worked with with singers who could do one thing that was them that was their style 
which I found easier to work with than writing for myself. And we got a record deal, yeah. And um, the record deal didn't work out. It was with Phonogram. And they fired their MD and the old heads of departments rolled and we were put on hold. Then our singer left the band, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it didn't work out in the end. But Scott now is, is one of the top sound engineers in, in live theatre in London. Is he? Yeah. He mixes uh, Book of Mormon at the moment. And he's, wow. before that he did Superstar, Woman in White, Joseph, gosh, you name it, Matilda, everything. Some of your big highlights, Prince's Trust concert you did, didn't you? Yes, that's right. I was artist liaison on that. That was, again, when I was working with Imagination because they were performing in it. And uh, I did the Prince's Trust concert. I was artist liaison. There was Phil Collins. um, Who else was on? That was one of the most incredible things I ever saw, that, in fact. I'll I'll tell you about that because it's really interesting. Um, Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, It was Kid Creole and the Coconuts, Sade, Phil Collins, Imagination... Paul Young, I think, was on there as well. I loved Phil Collins, a couple of his um, songs. And so, uh, I, you know, I just happened to come around and sit in the, the Royal Albert Hall, huge, big venue. And he was just playing a piano. So he was just there with his piano, no accompaniment other than him on the piano. And when it came to his big moment in, in the air tonight where the drums come in, if you know the song, I kept thinking, how, what's he going to do with that little drum break? There is no, like, there's no drummer on stage. So what's he going to do? And as he was singing, as he was building up to it, he just did one held chord, stab chord, and the entire album chord went... <laughs> so everybody provided it. And it was such a magical moment that he knew was going to happen. I'm sure he hoped it was happen, but it just electrified, you know, all of the audience and the whole place. And people were screaming and shouting and applauding. It was a, an incredible moment to sit and witness. I mean, it sent chills. You did a Wembley rugby match too, didn't you? I did, yeah. I was officially, I think, I was the last person to sing live at Wembley. Were you? It was the opening of the opening of the first professional world rugby championships, I think, as I was playing Jesus, and I'd sing um, Jerusalem, God Save the Queen, and something else I can't remember. And uh, and Alison Jaya, who's a fantastic musical theatrist, sang the Australian national anthem. So it was England, Australia. And so she sang before me, and I sang afterwards because it was in England. So I oh. think, and then and then that once that competition ended, the old Wembley Stadium was then closed. Oh. So I think, I unless anybody sang after me, but I think I was the last person to sing live at Wembley Stadium. Jerusalem always makes me cry. That song It's just one of yeah, those things, is, yeah, you know. Absolutely, it is that type of song, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. You, you performed at the Tony Awards too, didn't you? Yes, I was fortunate enough to be invited to sing Gethsemane for the, for the Tony Awards. It was at the Radio City Music Hall, which is, I think is the biggest stage in the world. It is literally like a football field. It's hugely wide stage. And it was a packed house. It was a phenomenal experience. It was wonderful. Televised to all of America. And I, I don't know why in Britain we kind of only just occasionally... Um, do those things well like we have the the Olivier Awards I wish they were televised just like the Tonys are when you were doing that did you for one minute think of how many people were probably watching I just thought of don't don't bugger this up <laughs> even though I'd done the song so many thousand times you, you never know where your brain's going to go at any given moment you know sometimes you, you can be incredibly disciplined and still your brain sort of just fractures for a few seconds it's a, it's a strange phenomenon especially if you start thinking like that so uh, yeah all I could remember thinking is, don't bugger this up. <laughs> and it's such a great song, isn't it? Ah, oh, it's incredible. You know, I think, I've said it many times, that I think it's the best song ever written for a leading man in the musical theatre genre to sing, by, by a long way. Dramatically, it's journey, melodically, what it demands of the actor, of the singer, what it demands of emotionally, I think it's by far the most taxing and the best song ever. 
You play what? Saxophone, keyboard, guitar? Yes, I play them all badly. That's the, <laughs> the thing. I play them only for my own pleasure and to write, really. I spent my musical sort of life learning to write and formats and how to structure a song and, and stuff, as opposed to learning to play songs. So I, I can play a dozen instruments, but only what I write. I've never learned to play other people's music. I can improvise on them, but that's about it. Glenn, if you could write for one particular person, say you had a, a stunning song. Um, who would you like to record it? Someone you'd love to write for? Or? Yes, I'd love to write for London Grammar. I think London Grammar are one of the, the most exciting and beautifully structured, beautiful, melodic, wonderful uh, singer um, bands around. I think they're incredible. And if, if people don't know who London Grammar is, I would suggest that everybody goes out and gets their first or second album because... I mean, obviously, it's best to start at the beginning. So I'd say first, first, and second, second. But it's such beautiful music, and it's modern. It's just, it's wonderful. So, Avita, you're playing Che? Yes. Yes. Good part, isn't it? It is, yes, fun. It is fun. I mean, it's not Che Guevara, I don't think, although I'm dressed like Che Guevara. Because <laughs> I don't think Che Guevara sang a note, perhaps. But it's interesting. He's not really part of the story. He's the narrator. So, um, you know, he's not having any dramatic moments, really, with, with Ava or anything like that. He's just commenting and guiding the audience through the through the process. Shows like Blood Brothers, you know, they've got a narrator, haven't they? So it's quite interesting, isn't it, when a performer comes on and sort of guides us through the story, really? Yeah, I mean, I talk directly to the audience in their eyes, which is which is unusual for the theatre, obviously, because normally you pretend the audience aren't there. But I, uh, Che is talking directly to them for, for the majority of the time. It's like almost the continuity presenter of of the of the show. Whereas Ava and uh, Juan Perón don't do that at all, or any of the other characters. In fact, Che is invisible to most people on the stage all of the time. You're off to Germany, aren't you? Yes, I'm doing a t- couple of weeks. I did Jesus in Germany about three years ago, six, seven weeks there, which which was fantastic. We did a tour of the opera houses. And this, um, Evita's going there just for a couple of weeks in January. So any dreams left for you then? been writing as, as I said all my life and pop music has been particularly irritating in the sense that I've had several record deals and they've all fallen through for one thing and another and none of them have been down to the music which has been incredibly frustrating and it's felt like it's almost like I've wasted years of my life doing that so uh, I think the thing I really want to do more of is write and I, I wrote a musical about gosh a few years ago now and it was with a uh, a West End producer for a couple of years they were very interested they wanted to put it on in fact and it was just deemed as too controversial had lines from the Quran in it and various other things and they just thought it was a bit too controversial you know with what it was saying so I wrote another musical which um, which is a, a tr- tr- traditional historic piece it's kind of Celtic music so um, but it's a really interesting story so I'm hoping I'm hoping I can focus a bit more on that maybe Whatever you choose to do, I hope you fulfil what you hope to do. Great to talk to you. And uh, so you're with Evita, and it's Southsea Kings 13th to the 17th of November. That's right. And then, of course, Germany. Yes. Can I thank you for your time on a busy day? I know you've got two shows today, haven't you? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, two shows. I warm up a lot, so I tend to just spend my morning warming up. Oh, do you? I'm not really a natural. I mean, I've been singing all my life, really, but I'm not a natural singer in the sense that I can't wake up in the morning and immediately sing. Whereas Mike, um, you know, who, who plays Juan Perón in this, literally just doesn't, he just, just sing. He's just got the most beautiful voice you'll ever hear. 
and he's a fantastic singer. Whereas for me, I have to, I've always had to work hard on it. So um, yeah, I warm up for about two hours before I do the official warm up here. I love your stubble and your hair. Oh, and <laughs> I hate the stubble. I don't like it. I feel I feel like a vagrant. I feel especially coupled with my long hair. I feel like I should be living under a bush and not. Um, you know what I mean? I just don't like it. As soon as this job's over, it'll be coming off. You could still play Jesus as you yeah, know today, I, couldn't you? Ironically, I never had a beard playing Jesus, or not when I was on filming. So. No. Glenn Carter, thank you so much. Thank you. It's great. He's got a swell personality. He meets and greets the stars with such amenity. Good enough to make you coming out of the street. John Hannamese. That's right. You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.